Welcome back to another episode of Heart on the Hill. As always, I'm your host, Micah Hart. And while I usually talk about all things going on in politics, today's going to be a little different. It's going to be very focused today on the Republican National Committee and specifically on the Republican debate that we saw this past week. Wednesday. Now, I am thrilled today to announce that the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, is joining the show. I am so excited for this, and I will be full disclosure right now and say this. Well, to be honest with you, I worked for the Republican National Committee this past summer as an intern in the communications department, so I just want to get that out there. I will still be asking the hard questions, getting you the answers you deserve, but I want you to know that and know where I'm coming from on this, and I am so fortunate that she has decided to join the show today. It's it's such an honor, so without further ado, let's get into that interview, and then I'll have some thoughts about the debate myself. Hi, thank you so much for joining the show, Chairwoman. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to kick it off with a fun question. So you live in Michigan, and I'm in college in Michigan. So what's your favorite part of Michigan Falls? The cider mills. That's my (laughs) absolute favorite. I think my daughter, who's at college right now, is, like, dying for donuts and cider. We live in... uh, in Northville, so we love Parmenters, but I'm a big fan of Franklin as well. Mm. It's great. I love that. It's a great part of the fall here. Um, my first question now about um, some things going on in the party. So are there going to be changes come the third debate? Anything different with contributions and polling? And what goes into those decisions being made about trying to balance out having candidates on stage who are really serious and who are polling well and have those contributions? Sure. I said all along... You know, we don't want to have our stage be used for people trying to get book deals or media contracts or cabinet positions. We really do want legitimate candidates seeking the nomination who are viable on that stage. And it's a balancing act, right, because votes haven't taken place yet. So we have increasingly, uh, we have increased the polling threshold for every debate. The first started at one. The second was at three. The third one will be at four percent with a combination of state and national polls, and then also a small-dollar fundraising component, which we think is critical to build the backbone of a strong presidential campaign. If you're going to be going up against Joe Biden, you need to have a small-dollar fundraising operation. So for the second debate, or the third debate, it's going to be 70,000 small-dollar donations. Perfect. And as you, you said, obviously beating Joe Biden, that's a, obviously the big goal for the um, Republican National Committee and just Republicans in general right now. So you have announced initiatives like Bank Your Vote. So what is the RNC doing to prepare for this eventual nominee and how will things like Bank Your Vote go to helping the party take back the White House? So we've launched a website called BankYourVote.com and then we're launching in specific states like New York. Uh, we launched New York today or California or Wisconsin And this is so important for voters to understand that the longer you hold your ballot, the longer we have to keep contacting you to to turn that ballot in. And I'm a big football fan. We love the Detroit Lions here. Um, But we wouldn't want our our team to wait till the fourth quarter to start start scoring. I think we'd all panic if our team (laughs) said, well, we're just going to let them score for three quarters and then we'll come in the fourth and make it up. And that's what Bank Your Vote is. We really need our voters to understand You need to vote early, early in person, early by mail, whatever it takes so that you allow us to use resources to find new voters or um, independent voters, and that's going to make us that much more successful 
coming into 2024 when we have to win back the White House, win the Senate, and hold the House. Yeah, and so we're seeing a lot of unification to oust Biden. But there are varying views on issues like Ukraine and things of that nature. Do you think that this will come an issue as the primary process narrows down in the field? And how does the Republican Party really unify um, to support a certain person when there are issues and things such as supporting President Trump or not that divide some people in the party? Well, we did have a pledge called the Beat Biden Pledge to be on the debate stage, which is, hey, remember, as we're all battling it out and we have differences of opinion on on key issues like Ukraine or maybe other things, um, the things that unite us are so much more. And we all agree in limited government and making sure that our border is secure and that our our communities are safe and our kids have access to a good education where parents have a say. There's so much we believe in as a party, and we, of course, want to tackle inflation and unleash energy independence. Um, So the number one thing we have to be thinking about is beat Biden. But I don't have a problem with this discussion about Ukraine. I think it shows, first of all, that Biden has done a terrible job explaining the objectives and why we are in this conflict and what is our end game. And I think it's important to hear this conversation among uh, those in our party just to educate voters as to what's going on in that region of the world. Mm. And. As someone who lives in Michigan, obviously, we see that swing states like Michigan are so crucial. So states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. How does a Republican go in and win that state now after losing in 2020? What do Republicans need to focus on? You know, I'm, I, I love this question because when I was chair of Michigan in 2016 and Donald Trump was our nominee, nobody thought Michigan was winnable. <laughs> and I was this, you know stay-at-home mom would become state party chair, and people laughed me out of their offices. It was so hard to raise money. We weren't a target state by the RNC at that point. And so, one, grassroots can make all the difference. Our volunteers can make a state viable, and you can never give up. And so making sure that you're putting those inf- that infrastructure in place, um, getting your friends involved, getting involved yourself, having conversations, volunteering, you go to GOP.com to do that. Those are how you win those states, those building blocks towards success. But no state is off the, off the map ever, especially when uh, 63% of Americans think our country's heading in the wrong direction. People are really struggling under Joe Biden. They know he is not doing a good job as president. So it's just about our will to win and how much we're going to put in to make that happen. Yeah. And obviously you said really like all these states are in play. Now we've seen New Jersey with Menendez. Do you think he puts that that seat up for play for Republicans? And do you think that will impact things, things like that and other issues with the Biden administration, with um, all the hearings we're seeing? Um, Fetterman obviously causing some issues as well. Do you think those things will really impact on a national scale? Well, one, I would say the Senate map we have for 2024 is the opposite of what we had in 2022. And I know a lot of people thought we were going to win the Senate, but we really had a tough map. We had over 20 seats to defend, and the Democrats really only had seven up uh, or nine up. Uh, this time, they have 23 seats up, and we only have seven. So we we have to win the Senate. And states like West Virginia, Ohio, Montana are, are absolutely winnable. We've got great candidates. Um, New Jersey, I don't know what Menendez is going to do. Does he step down? Does he resign? It doesn't look like he's going to. If he does, I think he does it towards the end of the year. Um, But I do think if it doesn't put his Senate seat in play, it depends on who runs against him. I think it puts 
um, other seats in play from Democrat congressional members who are going to run for his seat, like um, like Mikey Sherrill or others that are taking a look at that seat, at that Senate seat that may give us some opportunities to get some more wins in the House. Yeah, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a really tough question just because of how concise this one is. But in one sentence, how do Republicans win? Our values. We, we, run, we run on who we are. When you talk to people about the common sense values the Republican Party has, we want safe streets. We want crime down in our neighborhoods. We want to make sure that our kids have good education with things like school choice. We want to stop the flow of fentanyl. We want to unleash energy independence. We want limited government. Uh, these are all same things. And when you talk about the values of our party, if you look at the debate we just had at the Reagan Library, uh, those conversations make a difference. But I also add that being optimistic and showing a vision for the future is important for us going forward as well. Yeah. Chairwoman, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate what you're doing. You guys had a great debate on um, Wednesday. We really appreciate everything and best of luck this coming cycle. Thank you. Thanks. Go Hillsdale. Thanks for having me, Micah. So now I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts on everything that I talked about with Chairwoman McDaniel, but also just about the debate in general. But before that, I just want to say uh, and offer my condolences to Diane Feinstein's family. She was a senator from California. She passed away. She was a trailblazer. I don't care where you fall politically. We should be able to acknowledge that and just thank her for and honor her for what she did. Um, and I am doing that right now and I'm so thankful and I, I do not agree with her on a lot but I think she did a lot for politics a lot for women in politics and it was an honor to watch her serve now I want to talk about the Republican National Committee and the debate we just saw this past Wednesday. Now, the Republican National Committee, as I said, I worked there. It was an awesome opportunity. I'm very fortunate for it. They have been doing an excellent job. I will tell you that right now. The work they are doing is spectacular. They are providing a map for Republicans to move forward and win big victories in the House, the Senate, and win back the White House in 2024. I think we, a lot of times, don't give them enough credit. What the Republican National Committee is doing is setting up the roadmap so that candidates have the ability to go out there and win these tough races that are needed in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia. And I am excited to see what they do. I think the Bank Your Vote initiative is excellent. We need to play how the Democrats are playing on these things. We need to beat them at their own game. And that's what this does. That's what this is working to do. And I think other things the Republican National Committee will do and will continue to do will also be helping in that and making sure voters get out and vote. Because look what we're facing. Joe Biden is a failed leader on the economy, foreign policy, everything. We saw the Afghanistan withdrawal. It was completely a joke and a failure. We've seen what happened with the Iran trade deal on 9-11 of all days. What is going on? The economy is in shambles. We have high inflation. We still have people struggling after COVID to get in the workforce to just work and make a living and going to the store and having to decide what to buy or get medicine. What is this? People should be able to have these things that are necessities for us all. And Joe Biden has said he would build back better. He's building back broken. And we know that and we've seen that. And it's a shame what he's been doing. And we need to make sure we have a strong leader going into 2024. And the RNC is working to help provide that road for that candidate to go in and make Joe Biden a one-term president and retire him 
once and for all, and that's what we need. And I think on that debate stage, we saw great visions for moving forward. I don't care who you support. We saw strong leaders, every one of them. Now, I didn't agree with some of them on some things, but they were all strong leaders, and I can admit that. You know who wasn't there, though, was President Donald Trump. He didn't show up, and I think this says a lot. I think we need to consider why he didn't show up and say he should be there. Americans deserve to hear from every candidate. I don't care if you were former president, if you're leading in the polls by 40%, you should be there showing up for the American people. I will say he did go to United Auto Workers rally in Michigan this past week and did that instead of the debate, but also he should have considered that he should be on that stage with the Republican candidate who are running for president because this isn't a joke to anyone. He shouldn't just be hiding away from it. He should be facing the tough questions on his record. If it's as great as he says it is, then he should be answering those questions on why this, why that on your record? Why did you add this much to our debt? He should be answering these questions for the American people. Now, that isn't to say he doesn't have a great record. He has a lot of great things he accomplished, but he should be showing us not just hiding away as to why he should be president, not just relying on these poll numbers. I think we really need to consider that. But I think there were really strong performances on that stage. I was blown away by a lot of them, and a lot of their answers were very strong. But sadly, I just think it does fall a lot of it into not being memorable. I think there were not as many moments where I was like, oh, I'll remember that for a while. There were two, really. It was, um, for me, the first one was Chris Christie um, calling Donald Trump Donald Duck. I think that was a moment people remember, whether it's for better or for worse. I think people will remember that. And I also think Nikki Haley going after Vivek Ramaswamy and saying every time she really hears him, she feels a bit dumber. I think that was a very fiery moment for her. And I'm interested to see how that all plays out between them because they've had this back and forth between the two of them. At the first debate, we really saw foreign policy. Nikki Haley telling him, you have no foreign policy experience, and it shows. And I think that their sparring continues. And then I also think another thing was seeing Tim Scott and Nikki Haley go at it um, with what people are calling curtain gate and attacking and all of that. I, I think I really appreciate the work of both of them. And I, I really want us to just focus on the issues and stay United, And I think Ramaswamy actually brought that point up, which was interesting because the first debate he was saying, like, it's not morning again, America. Now he's kind of embracing the Reagan's 11th principle on this debate stage at the presidential library, Reagan's presidential library. So that was really interesting to me. But I think that unity is so important. We need a unified front to beat Joe Biden. I don't care what candidate we have up there from Donald Trump, Doug Burgum, any of them are better than Joe Biden. I know that for a fact they are all strong leaders, strong people in the fields they've been in. And I do trust them. And I think any of them could do a better job than Joe Biden, who is just barely leading at all. Honestly, he's just sitting there, I feel like, and not doing anything. If he was really doing stuff, we would see solutions. And we haven't seen those solutions yet in his administration. And I don't think we will. And I think that it, I know that it's time for a Republican to get into that office and fix things and make sure we put power back in the hands of the American people, that we make sure the Americans know we have their back, but that they are going to be able to live how they need to live and want to live without the government encroaching on everything in their lives, on vehicles, um, stoves, like ovens. Like, why should they be? They should not be involved in that. That's our personal life. Anyways, I think that we. I was really refreshing to see these candidates get up there and really offer fresh perspectives and new ideas about how we move forward as a party, but more importantly, how we move forward as a nation. This nation, I don't care what party you're from, is a great nation. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent. We should all be able to come together and say we're Americans and we want to see each other thrive and survive and do good and live out the American dream. And I saw that 
through these candidates this past week, and I am excited to see how they move forward with that third debate coming up in um, a few more weeks. Now we'll see them. I'm interested to see how, if the field narrows down or if we still have the same number of candidates on that stage. As the chairwoman said, that there have qualifications will be going up for getting on that stage. So we'll see how that plays out with some more minor candidates. And if they are able to pull on that momentum, I think some people, you saw some um power behind Doug Burgum and we'll see if he's able to pull it off and get on that stage one more time. Anyways, it's going to be a really fun race. We're just getting started and I think it's going to be a great primary season. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show every week. It means a lot to me, and I am so thankful I get to have this opportunity, not just to have a radio show and talk, but to talk about things that I love and talk to people who I think really are doing a lot for our country and the Republican Party. I think it's so important to have these conversations and I'm so grateful that I am able to be a part of them because I think it doesn't matter what age you are, who you are, you should be in these conversations. Look, I am 21. I am so young, but I've been able to do so much so far talking to people, getting to get to the facts of things for the American people. And I'm so grateful that I've been able to do it on this platform, on this show as I've done this for the last over a year now, it's it's been a blessing and an honor for me. So thank you so much for listening and hearing me out on these things. I know sometimes I can get fiery on all of these things, but it's because I care. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be fiery on them. But we need to lay out a plan for our future. And voices like mine who are young voices need to be loud, need to be outspoken. And it's something I feel like for too long people push down people who are young but we have a voice and we have a say in things and it's so powerful when I get to see uh and refreshing to get when we see on that stage we see some young presidential candidates Vivek Ramaswamy's in his 30s like that is amazing that we get to see somebody that young on that stage whether I agree with him or not is another thing but even having that model up there as somebody who's doing okay in the polls and is up there running for president, is inspiring. Our generation, my generation, is the generation forward, and I'm happy that candidates are starting to realize that, and I'm happy I get to have this platform to express my opinion on these issues because they do matter to me from everything from Ukraine to abortion to the economy. They affect me just as they affect somebody who's in their 60s. They affect all of us for different reasons maybe, but they do. Things like TikTok affect me. And I want to talk more about those things as well on this show as the primary moves forward. I really want to dive into where are candidates going on this? What's in the news about these things? Where do we go from here? Because I think there's a lot of views on these things, even within one party, as I talked about earlier with the chairwoman on Ukraine and things like that and what that provides for the party. I think it's a great thing to have these disagreements in the party so that we can discuss them and work them out and figure out where we want to move forward. I think it's good to have some disagreement and be able to work through them, talk through them, have those people in your cabinet who maybe don't agree with you on everything and can give you different opinions. You don't want to surround yourself with a bunch of loyalists. You want to have people who will tell you hard truths at the end of the day. And I think that is so refreshing to see on that stage again, like we saw in 2016 with that big field. It was great to see that this past week. And I'll continue to update you on these debates. And until then, until next week, um, 
This is Hard on the Hill, and you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.